Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Anti Think Tank. This is episode. Fuck, what episode is this? Is it seven? This is Sadie. No, wait. Uh, okay, it was. I believe in you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's your it's, channel. You can do it. If, Let me check. If it's not, well, if it's it is. Episode seven. All right, let's run with it. All right, it's episode seven. And, uh, of course. Um, I am Justin. I am your host for this for today's episode, and I'm always joined by my two co-hosts, uh, Ryan and Ian. Introduce, introduce, fucking English. Introduce yourself, boys. There you go. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm having much less of a problem talking than our host today. That's definitely not going to come bite me in the ass later for saying <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, I, I just found it on YouTube. This is um, this is uh, episode seven. Did we already figure that out? Yeah, I, yes. we can't roll with yes, it. Yes, we okay. did. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm Ian. Go on. <laughs> All right, anyway. All right. We got a few topics here. Actually, we got about four or five, but uh, let's let's go with the first one. Um, a little bit of news that came out um, right after we got done recording the last episode. Um, the, the Great Wall of China got um, irreversibly damaged. What? And... Eh. Now, have have any of you read on exactly what happened? No. Uh, all I know is that it got damaged, and that it wasn't the Three Gorges Dam, and so I don't care. Alright. Like, Get ready for the goofiest fucking story you'll ever hear in your whole life. <laughs> so, okay. apparently, um, this team of contractors, these excavators, they had a job... Um, they had to travel to from one end of the wall or on one side of the wall and they had to get to the other side of the wall, right? Now, there is a road that they can take to get around the wall, you know, so that they don't damage the wall. They thought of a better idea. They they picked the sp- a, a certain spot on the, the Great Wall that already had a little damage to it, a little bit of little of aging to it. It's already kind of falling apart. And they no. went ahead and they just excavated a shortcut right through no. the fucking wall. No. Okay, I care. I care a lot. <laughs> oh, God fucking damn it. It is the goofiest bro. fucking shit I've ever heard. Dude, okay, I, so you're telling, I thought you're it telling was going to be like irreversible damage, meaning like, oh, some dude like... Tried to put, like, a fucking lock and threw away the key or some shit on, like, a piece of it. But you're telling me some dumb motherfucker saw one of the world's ancient wonders and was like, Yeah, you know what? I need a shortcut. <laughs> Fuck this no, thing. That's legit no, what man just, man just, man, man, He looked at one of mankind's most impressive structures. Something that people have, like, looked at and it has become a life-affirming thing and said, you know what? I'm going to play Minecraft creative mode in real life. <laughs> His like, Mongol fucking ancestors just called upon him to destroy what had denied them China so many fucking times. Like, holy shit. Mon- so, he did what the Mongolians could never do. So in, in the news recently, they they did um, detain and convict two individuals that like gave the orders to get it done. I think there's like a whole team there that got the whole wall a hole in the wall you know more open but it was two people that you know gave the orders and they're being charged with uh they they didn't say they're getting charged with something and i I hope it's you know some prison sentence because that's that's a (laughs) that's a wonder of the world right there dude that's 
That that's the most fucking Chinese Communist Party bullshit I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. Like, oh my god, I've I, I've seen videos of them like building bridges with corn and styrofoam, but like usually they leave alone like shit like the Forbidden Palace and the Great Wall of China. But God, it. it why is this our opener? I want to shoot myself. <laughs> no, when I, when I heard this... Like, I'm already in a weird mood. Right, go ahead, Ian. I said I'm already in a weird mood, and now you're telling me that, like... Like, like this literally sounds like a plot out of, like, Teen Titans or something. <laughs> like, like, it's 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 so stupid. No, I, I couldn't help but think, um, like, when I heard this story... You know, I couldn't help but think about this kind of situation. Like, could you imagine for one moment, you know, in New York City, in the harbor, where the only ocean liner in existence right now, the Queen Mary 2, you know, it has to get around the Statue of Liberty to get to dock. <laughs> Can you imagine if that, if like England said, fuck your statue <laughs> to make a shortcut? <laughs> and just like, Dude, it just like... set a bunch of CO2. <laughs> Like, it's as if the government of Italy wanted a fucking extra road to connect two fucking, uh, like, two residential areas. And it's like, you know what? The Colosseum has to go. <laughs> it's just... If Turkey just walked out and it's like the Hagia Sophia, that, that shit just doesn't fucking matter. It tear that shit down. <laughs> the Notre Dame... Like, granted, the Notre Dame did almost get burned the fuck down, but, like, that wasn't on purpose, so... That's funny as fuck, too, by the way, the Notre Dame thing, fucking... Do you guys remember the whole, like, meme behind that, where, um, John Tron had made a Hunchback of Notre Dame, um, reference with that castle, or that little building in the background, and, like, the very next day caught on fire? I, d I know I did not remember that. Is it his fault? Everybody's blaming him. <laughs> I can see John Tron just summoning his stand and just, just John destroying this fucking national monument. John Jafari, Slayer of France. <laughs> I'm Slayer of France. Honestly, Keeper if he had Jacques. done it to the Bastille, I wouldn't have cared that much. But the Notre Dame, like, he's got to go. Is France one of the only acceptable cultures to make fun of in today's society? <laughs> yeah, they're French. Yeah, it's, you know. All right. Let's, all right. Anything in my house is made of French, they I throw it out. They speak the language of gay. I'm, I feel really bad for, like, that one guy named Pierre who's, like, a huge fan of the anti-think tank, and he's like, oh, I don't watch anymore. <laughs> I'm going to beat him with a baguette. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry, Pierre. S stupid fucking <laughs> frog. Fucking, fucking Ian, Ian because, caught his ass out. <laughs> no, like, as someone who has, like, really good experience with Ryan just laying hand to cheek, he will destroy <laughs> you. <laughs> like, Boy. Pierre, I know you... I'm so sorry, Pierre. Like, come Waterloo on. Waterloo Part 2, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, anyway, let's... Rest in let's peace, let's move on before this shit gets even where where it has to be. Um... <laughs> <clears throat> Next topic here, boys. So I myself, I, I as an adult, I was never a big fan of stand stand up uh, stand up comedians. And um, like as a kid, I was a big fan of stand up comedians. Like uh, I used to love Ron White, you know, Gabriel Iglesias. But um, 
mm-hmm. on my TikTok feed, I had got um, uh, suggested to watch a new comedy special that's free on YouTube called Slow and Steady by... Um, oh my God, my fucking brain just died on me. What's the dude's fucking name? Hold on. You're good, man. You're good, man. I got you. I got you. It's your segment. I know, but my brain... I my, listen, it's ten. It's 10.30 at night. My brain's fucking dead. Uh, Joe you, Pera, isn't it? You're totally good, man. His... his, his Yes, it's Joe. There you Perra. go, Joe Perra. I'm so sorry, Joe Perra. I love your comedy. Anyway, anyway, so I was suggested this, and you know, I thought, you know what, it'd be a good time. And I remember seeing Joe Perra uh, from his Adult Swim show called uh, Joe Perra Talks with You, and it's it's a great show. It, there's a lot of a lot of comedy in that, and um, I saw the stand up. You know, I wasn't expecting too much because, again, I'm not as an adult. I don't find stand up comedians that funny anymore. But goddamn, he was funny as hell. I, uh, I, I was so excited to talk about this that I almost just like like expanded on everything I thought before the show, forgetting that it was supposed to be for a um for a segment. Yeah. I loved it. It, it. it was all. It, he describes himself as an alternative comedian, and that is very true. Like he doesn't set jokes up and pay them off in a traditional way, and I loved it. Like I, I would. The first thing I want to point out is the fact that. He has a, a, a squeaky clean comedy show, like very few vulgar jokes or anything for like the first 30 minutes. And it makes his joke at like halfway through about dating amazingly funny. <laughs> what was what was the name of his lawyer again? He kept mentioning it's like Bob something. Oh, man. It was like, oh, man. It was like Wayne, Bob. You knew Bob Earnhardt or something like that. Dude. Yes. My favorite fucking no, part dude, was like my favorite fucking part was when he's talking. He's reading that that letter or that um, paper he was supposed to write for um, a journal or for a magazine. And he's talking about dating, and he's talking about like I can make you have earth shattering orgasms, and I can get that in writing for my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, no, it's. Th- his like cro- his like crotchety middle aged old man voice that he does when he was like and because he like he has such a chilled out likable vibe and it's like something I was watching I was like hey like this is something like I could like realistically like show my younger cousin that's so like clean and everything and then he gets halfway through and he's like but to be honest I don't even know why I even try to date anymore I should be try I should just be trying to have sex yeah. hitting it from the back. Raw dog and nightly, daily. His uh, also his crowd work is really incredible. Like the the whole squirrel joke situation was funny as hell. Like uh, talking about throwing that pita chip out to that squirrel to see what he would do, asking the crowd like, you know, what they thought would happen. One person just screams, "Super squirrel!" He goes, "Anybody else?" <laughs> no, like what I loved about it is that there's clearly an understanding between the audience and him in the. Any other person with that comedy style would be booed mercilessly, and yet those people knew what person they were coming to see, so they interacted with him in such a way. And, like, it's it was really, like, weirdly wholesome, I guess you could oh, say. Oh, yeah, I, I fucking loved it. Yeah. I'm gonna keep back a little bit just because, like, I tried to watch it, I really did. It's just his brand of comedy isn't really for me, and so I couldn't uh, really get through most of it. Uh, I've, yeah, my brand of comedy, just so people know, uh, my favorite comedians of all time are 
Christopher Titus at number one, Bill Burr number two, Dave Chappelle number three. Like, good list. I can I can definitely see like especially you being a Bill Burr fan I can see you not really working with Joe Para I think I personally think they're both geniuses but in very different ways I'll leave I'll even admit that it was difficult to get into Joe Para but by the time I got like thirty minutes in I I couldn't stop watching I loved it I'm sorry but like I'm like I'm sorry go ahead go on I was just gonna say that I'm I might give it another give it another shot because I only got like fifteen minutes into it but like. I don't know if I have, like, super ADHD or if it's just, like, man, my fucking attention span just cannot take... Well, not, his, thing, like, his thing is talking extremely slow, you know? Yeah, like, that's... Like, all of the comedians that I usually listen to, like I said, like, Christopher Titus, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, they're, they all talk and do their shit extremely quickly. Like, uh, laps per minute is really, really high. And then I go into Joe Para, and he's talking like this. And I, I don't mean this like uh, as like a down or anything. If it fits your brand of humor, it's probably perfect for you. It's just not for me. And yeah, I get it. I, I would like to say I, th- I think part of it is like the wholesomeness. Like I, Dave Chappelle is one of my favorite comedians of all time this is regardless of any of his political opinions or anything like that i do not want to get into that the man has made me laugh many times in my life and that means something um i do not get any wholesome vibes from a Chappelle show i love Chappelle, but like i don't know there's something to be said about like the kind of campfire feeling i got from joe pair's like stories towards the end Believe it or not, that little the section at the very end when he's sitting at the the chair reading the book and he's got the composer next to him that's actually from his podcast, and I think he tried to do a. His podcast is called uh, "Drifting Off with Joe Para," and he tried to do a live version for a stand-up, and I thought it fit very well. But uh, what's what's so great though is like I started again starting out. I was getting I lost interest a little bit starting out. I wasn't like too too well into it, but it wasn't until he got to the point where he talked about the fucking ice cubes and the ice tray in his in his apartment with his roommates. Like I, it's the dumbest Bro. joke ever. It shouldn't have been funny, but I laughed so fucking hard at it. And it's like, I, I always fill up the ice trays, you know, and so that come Monday morning, I'll have ice cubes for my boys. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's cubes laughing. Boys, everybody's laughing. He goes again, ice cubes for my boys. <laughs> I don't know why. No, like he, it, it, I, I loved it, dude. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching some more of his stuff. Also, to Ryan's credit, he does his podcast is specifically made to make people fall asleep. So take that as you will. <laughs> and it works. I ain't gonna lie, uh, it does work. Yeah, like I said, I'll probably check out the comedy special again. Just to like, cause if both of you said like starting out, it was hard to get into, but like about halfway through, it picks up and you start really getting into it. I might have something similar. I might not. In a next episode, I'll give a little update on it. Uh, okay. Uh, I will say, uh, whenever it comes to my episode next week, I would like to talk at length about uh, Christopher Titus. Uh, so whenever that starts up, I'll probably send you guys a couple of links to his comedy specials. He uploaded all of his specials onto YouTube for free. Just due to the fact that like COVID... Whenever it came out, he wanted to incentivize people to, like, stay indoors, and so he released his TV series entirely for free, and every single comedy special he ever did absolutely for free on YouTube. So you can pull up uh, Christopher Titus TV, 
uh, on YouTube and find those for free. Oh, that's pretty so cool. So we'll probably talk. Yeah, yeah. huge we'll Bill Burr fan, huge Chappelle fan, have never checked out Christopher Titus, so I'll be doing my research uh, this week. All right. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to topics here. Um, just like my last episode, boys, we're going back to Is It Real? Where's my harmonica? Whoa, 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 whoa. Which... Okay. Tony. Which one of you chlamydia ridden? Ch- which one of you chlamydia ridden chumps stole my harmonica? I ate it. <laughs> oh my god! It's mine it? now. The fact that I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Oh. Okay. Okay. Ryan. Ryan. Okay. Br- bring. Bring like your tummy real close. Okay. Let me put my mouth on your tummy. Okay. And. <laughs> okay. I played it from inside Ryan's gut. I hope that gives you a really good mental image, everyone. And uh, yeah, move on. I don't. I don't understand how this got so fucked so quick. Anyway, um, I didn't move. <laughs> anyway, so what? What? So, what? Moving on. So we got this. Uh, <laughs> this little topic here. Okay. So, I had this idea this whole time for a while now. Um, Ryan, you had is it history? Um, this is sort of like that, but this is localized to a certain history. This is going to be ocean liner history. Uh, yeah, so... Does it have so Frodo it in it? So, my little... Does it have Frodo in it? No. So, this is going to be, uh, my nerdiness coming out right now. And, uh, so pretty much I'm going to give you guys a piece of ocean liner history, and you have to tell me... If it is real, or did I do a little fakey fake? Did I uh, did I pull your leg? Some would say. Anyway, you guys, you guys ready? Yeah. I'm ready to go down your autistic hyperfocus. Thank you very much. How about you, Ian? You good? I mean, like, I would prefer if the story ended up looping around and having like Elijah Wood in it, but I mean, I, I guess let's go. Alrighty, uh, event number one. On February 23rd, 1916, the Titanic sister ship Olympic was torpedoed by a German U-boat while she was serving as a British troop ship in World War I. However, the torpedo did not explode and got stuck in her hull. Is it real or fake? Uh, what was the date on that? Don't look it up. No, no, I'm not looking it up. I just want to know the date because you said World War I, but I thought you said 1940. So. No, no, no. It's February 23rd, 1916. Okay, yeah, because I, I, I was just a false just because World War One wasn't in the forties, but uh, like no, I, I at least I'll in my history, at least, on that one. at least in my history to make sure that the events lined up. Anyway, Ian, what, what, do you, what say you? I'll say true on that one. I'm gonna go with true on that one, Mister. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on, Mister. Um, <laughs> no, dude, <laughs> okay, now I don't like it. Bleep it, bleep it, bleep it, bleep it. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, that is real. This is a, a actual event. The torpedo got stuck in the ship's hull. And uh, probably on the YouTube version of the podcast, I'll show the picture. It's pretty fucking insane. Anyway, on to the second question, boys. On March 2nd, 1946, the French ocean liner now turned cruise ship, the SS Storm, Ran aground in Italy after another ship ran into her stern while she was docked. Is it real or fake? Real. Uh, I'm going to go with true. Ian, how about you? I'm going to go real on that one, buff. 
It's fake. I made all that up. Good story, good story. All right, on to the next one, boys. The Titanic and the Olympic were switched. The reason is that the Olympic was an old and damaged ship, and its owner, the White Star Line, purposely sent the Olympic, now named Titanic, into a known ice field to collect insurance money. Uh, false? False. Yes, so it is false. I included this so that anyone looking into Titanic, because I'm going to put Titanic in the tags for this video. Um, if any of you are a fucking crazy person that believes this shit, it's, it's false. It's, it's fake. False. It's stupid. All right? This man, this man mixed false and fake. Man said, false. <laughs> I did. He's so, like, he was so ready to condemn these people that his brain short-circuited. Listen, because people keep, there's a documentary that came out. It's fake as shit, showing that the nameplate on the wreckage of the Titanic says Olympic. But there's been, there's been expeditions to disprove this. There's an obvious T on the fucking hull plate, you goddamn dumbasses. Moving on. If I ever, if I ever, like, get down on my luck and become a rapper, I'm naming myself Papa Falk. <laughs> hey, they call me Papa what, Falk, doing this podcast. What's gonna, what's gonna happen, Justin, in, like, 20 years, you got fucking remarried, and now your child comes up to you, she's so happy, and then she brings forth this fucking, uh... This conspiracy theory and believes it wholeheartedly, and you just gotta kill her. <laughs> oh my God, like, it's kind of strict. No, I'll just wait, um, wait, no, wait. Let me, let me, let me, wait, 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 wait. Which one of us would you call? Because I know you couldn't do it yourself. Would you call me or Ryan to do? I wouldn't call either of you. I I'd would volunteer. just, uh, I would just, um, what? Why would, why would you volunteer? <laughs> huh? What? What? Ryan said um, he would volunteer. D- Ryan, bro, he just like, I fucking like, flash banged him with words, dude. He was about to say some shit, and he just got fucking like, wait, what? what? No, like, like, what it, do you it's mean? One thing, it's one thing for a buddy to like ask you to kill their child for like for like financial purposes, whatever. It's one thing to volunteer, dude. It's another thing to volunteer, bro. All right, uh, moving on, boys. Let's let's just get to the next fucking question. Anyway. Uh, next question, boys. Um, the Olympic has had a history of running into other vessels. In 1918, she ran purposely into a German U-boat, numbered 103, after spotting the sub resurfacing, causing the sub to sink. And in 1934, she hit and sank a Nantucket light ship in a heavy fog when she was attempting to port in New York. True. What says you, Ryan? Uh, I'll just go true. That is correct. Yes, the Olympic was so badass that she le- she legit ran down a fucking U-boat during World War One. But sadly, though, she did run into a Nantucket lightship in New York City. Uh, I think only one person survived that whole ordeal. The casualties of war are far and few between, but they're fucking deserved. All right. Anyway. Lord. On January third, you get 30- in front of the Olympic. You get what you, you get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> anyway, Lord. Uh, let's see here. All right, next one. On January thirtieth, nineteen forty-five, the once German ocean liner, now turned military transport, the Wilhelm Gustloff, 
was torpedoed by a Russian submarine while she was transporting German evacuees from East Persia as the Red Army was advancing from the east. East Persia? Or Persia, I can't pronounce it. Prussia? Prussia, thank you. I'm going to say false. I go with the false as well. This is real. Now, a little a little side bit of history here for you guys. Um, with this uh, ship sinking, it is on record to have the worst loss of life ever recorded on the ocean. Hmm. That's terrible. If you want a, if you want a comparison, you know, Titanic had maybe fourteen hundred people pass away. Um, now this. This body count is not accurate because, again, these are all evacuees. There was no actual head count when the ship was boarded. Uh, but the estimated number is 9,343. Oh, my God. A lot of fucking people died. Yeah. Well, what was the... It was the Wilhelm what? The Wilhelm Gusloff. You, you fucked me up because you're saying, gu- like, Gusloff. The Gusloff. It sounds so Russian. It sounds so Russian when you say it. I, I'm sorry. Oh it's Guslov. Guslov. Anyway, yeah. So Guslof, it's Guslof. real thing. Um, Post the name of it. I need to see this shit. Here. I'm sorry to derail you this hard. I just don't. It sounds so Russian. All right. I'm posting in the. Oh, I'm trying to post it. Hold on. Yeah. Well, fuck it. Yeah. See. <laughs> it, it does. It sounds so Russian. I know it does, but apparently it's named after one of the Nazi... Uh, Granted. It's named after one of the Nazi commanders or some shit. Granted, I will say the website that I use to see what it sounds like sounds like it was recorded as it was sinking down, so... <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, anyway, boys. Uh, uh, <laughs> click that link, and I want you to like listen to it real quick. <laughs> Just the top one, under Learn How to Pronounce Wilhelm Gustloff. It sounds like he's below deck as it's going down. <laughs> Wilhelm Gustloff. <laughs> what the fuck? Wait, where you are you? see? Wait, okay, okay, wait, wait, I'm listening now. <laughs> it sounds like, dude, it sounds like you can hear, like, someone knocking on the window outside as they're going, like, there's a mermaid knocking on the window outside. Wilhelm Gustloff. No, it's like someone knocking on the door as the water's, like, rushing in, about to impact him, just like, Hulk! <laughs> Alright, boys, on to the last question here. Uh, so far, you're what, both tied, so, um. We'll see how this last goes. Thing, why did, anyway. Listen to the audio real quick. Why does it kind of sound like. Why does it kind of sound like Bleeding huh. Bobbins a little bit? Wilhelm Gustloff. No, no, no. Bleeding Bobbins sounds cooler than that. Anyway, moving on. Last question here, boys. You're right. On July 10th, 1966. As the Queen Mary was doing drills to test the watertight doors, one engineer decided to play chicken and tried to quickly go through a watertight door before it closed. However, he was not successful, and the door caught him by his abdomen and crushed him. True. All right, Ryan says true. How about you, Ian? Final answer. Ian? It's true. Fine. Uh, yes, it's true. This poor man died. Hello? Woohoo! You wanna know? You wanna know? Tours, of the Queen, tours of the Queen Mary today, it's claimed that you can actually still see him on the Either ship. Either that, or you can be by the Yippee! actual watertight door and you hear knocking and shit like that. 
But a uh, little fun fact. Um, <laughs> did you guys know that when they found him dead, uh, of course, you know, they they released the watertight door. And to ship him back to his family, they had to put him into one of the restaurant's freezers. Oh my god. I, I didn't know that. That's... Dark. That's incredibly fucked up. That is up. fucked up. And I just can't help but think, on this restaurant, during, you know, while the Queen Mary's sailing back to where it's going to, uh, I couldn't have imagined, but, like, the, the, the cooks had to keep going into the freezer to grab product, and the body's just there. <laughs> I imagine they chose a freezer that didn't have much in there, or at least a fucking corner. Like, <laughs> just a corner. No, bro, imagine you're ima- imagine you're just like chilling, enjoying your day, and you get a freezer in the mail, and you like you like think it has like a lifetime supply of steak in there, and it's just your husband. <laughs> you just open it up, and it's just your your husband, just like, hey, I'm dead. Yeah, that poor Hello. bastard. But anyway. Gerald, you can come out. He's not back yet. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that poor bastard. Anyway, um, so yeah, you both tied. So I, I, I mean, I'm not sure how to do this. Um, I'm not sure who wins, who loses. I guess I'm that sure. means that. What was the prize? Well, the prize was going to be, um, we would record the the next um, extra bits for the YouTube channel. And whoever the winner had their idea recorded first, and the loser had their idea recorded second. I'm noticing that none of that has anything to do with um, a certain corner in which hams get violently smacked, and that's a little disturbing. I mean, that's kind of. Do you want to go in there? Do you want to go in there? Okay, okay, there's a part of me that misses it. (laughs) Like, it's been two or three weeks. Stockholm Syndrome? I miss the, like, two or three crusts of bread that you gave me every day. Life was simpler on the inside. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Moving on, boys. We got, uh... Wait, have either of you seen the Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. Yeah. My character arc is like Brooks, the old man who gets released from jail but then kills himself because he life is too complicated. I just want to go back to the Specky Boy corner where I'm at least guaranteed half a sandwich a day. <laughs> my my story mirrors Brooks. Um, that's all. I'm I saying. don't know how we manage to derail so fucking hard every time we get finished with the topic. It just it goes off so fucking hard, and I'm trying to figure out how this keeps happening. I feel like it's part of because, the charm, Buckaroo. Uh, because your two co-hosts are minorly schizophrenic, and yeah, no, I'm, I'm you're retarded. like on your medication right now and not even talking to anybody. You're just in a padded room in the middle of a cell that nobody will know or remember or even think to check up on you, because life just kind of goes like that. All right, then, voices in my I'm head. On to the next topic. We're going to be talking about um. Well, so a video popped up on my YouTube feed recently about um, a Japanese tiny apartment, and I I thought this was like an I thought this was an, an isolated case, but it's not. <laughs> like apparently, it's quite normal for a lot of apartments in Japan to be quite small. And and this particular apartment, yeah. I, I'm trying to describe as I can right now. You go up these stairs, it's like it winds around, it keeps winding around, and your uh, your apartment when you walk in 
To the left is a shower that's like very small. Um, to the right, you have a fucking a sink, one sink and one little little eye burner for, for your stove and whatnot. And then you get to the actual main room, and it's just one fucking room. And by measurement, the the like the uh, hold on, my brain just fucking died on me. The longest measurement in this room is about eight and a half feet. That is so fucking tiny. But I'm not gonna lie to you. I feel like I could somehow manage that. Hmm. There is a part of me that like wants to live in a tiny apartment for like a day to see what it's like. But it would eventually like really lead to some anxiety. I feel. No, fuck that. Like it, it's just, I am like six three. Maybe 6'4", I could not move into a room built for the people from the Shire. Like, I can't <laughs> live the halfling lifestyle, okay? <laughs> and I know that in Japan, like, they can get away with it. Because the people there are pretty fucking tiny. But I'm a fucking tall white guy. I can't do it. It's, it's fucking impossible for me, okay? You showed me, like, you showed that video, you put it in chat, and I was like, God fucking damn. I, I couldn't do it. Now, I'm not gonna lie, this, that, that it, one video. It made me laugh. That, that one video did send me down a rabbit hole, though, and I started looking more into other Japanese tiny apartments. And there's one tiny apartment, uh, I think it's, it's called Sakura Sakura or some shit like that. I could not live in this fucking apartment because, first off, most of the walls to your apartment are windows. So everybody can just kind of look in and see what you're doing. But not only that, but the the building itself was built to be like a big family house. And so there's like six individual rooms, but in these six individual rooms, there's a main theme. Like, one room is the bathroom. And so, it has everything you need, plus a big bathroom. One is a living room. You have everything you need, but it, but the living room takes most of the space. And so on and so forth. There's one room, I think it is the bathroom, because it has a massive shower in it and a tub. We have one bed, and that's it. That's all you have. Okay, so um, I was thinking earlier, like, it might be kind of fun to ch check it out for a day, but now, like, you mentioning that the, there's so many windows of people just being able to look into you, I imagine myself, like, waking up from a really, uh, like, a really light sleep and just waking up and looking outside my window. And, Orion, you know Daru from Steins Gate? Yeah. I can just picture, like, someone like Daru just kind of, like, staring down at me, confused as to why, as to so why, just, like... You look out the window... After, like, passing out for a good four hours in a nap, you wake up, you got your fucking PJs on, shirtless, feeling good, you look out the window across the fucking street, and there's another man that looks similar to you, but just slightly, slightly different, staring back from a very similar looking building. <laughs> that would be terrifying. Now, I'm not gonna lie, there was one apartment building, though, that actually did catch my interest. So... Imagine, fellas, a tiny apartment, and let's say a, a main floor is about, I don't know, maybe a 6x6, six six, maybe a 7x7, seven seven. but this tiny apartment has three levels to it, and it has, like, tiny stairs you can get to each level. 
And looking at the layout of it, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like I could use that space, like to its fullest potential. I could fucking do it. Do you guys feel a sitcom idea coming on? Like you, me, and Ryan living in one of those. Together? The fuck you mean? I'd the burn fuck it you mean down. a sitcom? I'm thinking of shenanigans <laughs> over here. Bro, but, let's do it. Let's 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 force Ryan to live in a cardboard box with us for three days. Yeah, we'll just go to New York and have the full homeless experience. <laughs> I dibs on the AIDS. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> dibs on like, all the. You want all of it? All of it. I'll make the sacrifice. <laughs> You'll become patient zero. Good lord. You know what? Respect. Extend my arms and like Jesus Christ, accepting all the world's sin. Just put all the AIDS. Back to in back me. to derailing. We went from Japanese yeah, tiny apartments cool to fucking wouldn't AIDS. That, no, wouldn't that be a, like a cool anime power? Like to be able to just like <laughs> use the power of any sexual disease that you want. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it wouldn't. He. It, it, it just okay, gets worse. Okay, fine. It just, just, gets worse. just walk out. Just walk out and see some woman getting fucking robbed. Just like here, <laughs> Captain Syphilis is here to protect you. I'm trying to have a nice oh, I episode. Just imagine them saying, I got two fucking idiots talking like saying about it. STDs and superpowers using them. No, dude. Just imagine a dude with a sword and like his hair up in a bun, just walking up to an enemy and being like, Syphilis. And then he just, like, casts syphilis upon him. What the fuck is the point of the sword? What does it do <laughs> with his character arc? He gives him syphilis. Like, I feel like the to... sword's just more effective. It's so overboard to both give him an incurable disease and cut him. Like, that's just rubbing salt in the fucking wound. Oh, gunneria! And then just fucking cuts him in half. Like, it's... Gunneria! And then still slices him in half. What was the point of giving him the disease? If, if, for anyone listening right now, um, if you're wondering how we got from Bro. Japanese tiny apartments to Japanese anime, where the main protagonist has a sword with STDs on it, apparently, or he himself, I, I don't know... I I no no he just I gives don't know how they got him. here honestly he him, I kind of just plant the seed and they run with it he doesn't it. have them himself Justin you're mis you're misunderstanding Chlamydia Sans like entire character arc Justin moving on fuck Jesus Christ anyway on to uh, the last topic I had planned for today um so a a trailer came out for a brand new documentary. The the, doc, the documentary, by the way, will be free on YouTube on October 31st, on Halloween Day. Oh, I can't wait. I can't and wait, bro. This, and on. this trailer is, is titled, The Sad, Tragic Life of Boogie2988. Cannot wait. And Why'd you get so close to the microphone for that? But real quick, by the way, before I say anything about the trailer, about the about the whole thing. The filmmaker, good sir, um, if you're listening, the trailer looks fucking great, okay? Like, the cinematography looks fucking amazing. Uh, Mike Klum, I think that's your name. Mike Klum. Mike Klum? I'll look again. Anyway. Okay. Again, your filmmaking is amazing. Mike Klum is a great director. I mean, I have to make sure I'm singing this right. Hold on. 
<laughs> I am very unprepared, ladies and gentlemen. Just give me one second. Why would he still kill them if he already gave them the disease? <laughs> I was right. That's the dude's name. Yeah, well, anyway, he's I'm doing that. We'll just, yeah, we'll just as he's reading up on his topics, we'll just go back to. Yeah, moving on. Moving on. Hey, I, I, found like it. I found it. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> Mike Plum. Yeah, uh, if, you're if you're listening, the trailer looks fucking amazing. It's it, it it did what it's supposed to do. I'm fucking hyped to see it. Now let's move on to my criticisms towards the whole topic of Boogie Two Nine Eight Eight. Um, for a little backstory, for the longest time, Boogie2988 was my favorite YouTuber of all time. Like, he had the most wholesome content. Um, he's the one that really got me into Magic the Gathering. Um, and, uh, I loved, you know, watching his story times. And, of course, everyone's favorite part about Boogie was the Francis sketches. He would destroy shit as this, um... This this big angry gamer, um, and as of late or for the past couple of years now, he's fallen under a lot of controversy, a lot of dumb shit that he said. Um, he uh, he was going on weight loss. He he had weight loss surgery. He's trying to keep up with the weight and do a good job with that. But it's obvious that he's kind of backfired on that. He's kind of give up on it. It's obvious. Um, yeah. It's 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 heartbreaking, honestly, to see him go through that, because I honestly feel like, out of every washed up YouTuber who's lost their prime, I fully believe Boogie can make an actual comeback, but it's gonna take him to do it. Um, it's ironic that like you mentioned this because I actually watched uh, I watched June the King's new video about um. Uh, Boogie 2988's uh, 2023 output and how... Why am I speaking like Ryan now, bro? What? <laughs> I, I I don't... If you guys go back and look at this, I start speaking like Ryan, like, briefly. I don't even know how to describe it. Ryan, are you in my head? I'm in there. I gave <laughs> I you the fucking disease. I can tell. Like, okay, anyway. Um... But no, like, I watched June the King's video on it, on Boogie's two, 2023 output, and uh, just his downfall from grace, and it made me really sad, because I, I also, I, I, Boogie was never my number one favorite YouTuber back in the day, um, I'm gonna out myself as a Leafy fan uh, back in the day, these days, no longer, and I know that he was, he was never a good content creator, but what can I say, I was a kid, I liked his stuff, um, as I got older, it transitioned into more iDubs. Now it's probably Wubby and Critical. But, I mean, dude, what Boogie was always there, bro. Boogie was always there. Always really funny. Error 37. Dude, where's my Mountain Dew? I keep it in the microwave. Fucking that Mountain one, Dew two stew. Video. Dude, Mountain Dew Stew probably has more quotes that I use, like, daily than any other video on the internet. I remember that one night we were driving back from your mom's house. Um, and, like, we got into quoting it. And in, like, 30 minutes, we were still thinking of quote after quote after quote. Secret Spider-Man enjoys this. Noodles and bacon strips. And ba like, there's just the so much good bacon, stuff. He the, was so funny. The bacon strips part the, was the funniest shit. He was like, watch the bacon. Watch the sizzle. Get turned on. No one, there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> like, that's good. Get turned on. No, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, that's just funny. 
<laughs> oh man. And and then he got on Twitter and he tweeted um someone did a uh, in June the King's video he described that Boogie has on average tweeted w- once every 35 minutes for the last like 5 years and it has destroyed his reputation. If a thought goes into that man's head, he puts it on the internet and that is a terrible idea. I'll tell you this. There's a so after watching the documentary or watching the interview, um, have both of you seen the the trailer for it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not. I've I didn't really. You guys are like entirely different from me on this because when it comes to Boogie Two Nine Eight Eight, I've seen like jokes made about him back when he was doing the Francis skits. And that's my entire experience with him. Oh, so um, okay. I'm kind of waiting for the documentary to drop to spend a good 10 hours of my day learning about <laughs> this guy who's just... Kinda, I know he's a YouTube legend. Like, yeah. uh, back in the early days of YouTube, he was one of the first to like, really have like a breakout. He wasn't as big as like Smosh or anything like that, but he was still really fucking up there. Mm-hmm. So, like... I don't know, I kind of missed out, but now I'm sitting in the sidelines, like, the colossal downfall of this fat guy you don't know about. I'm like, okay, um, sure. Well, uh, I want to point out some things I mean, about but... from the, I want to point out, I want to point out some things from the trailer that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, because, um, so it, it kind of puts in the question about how much input Bookie had on this, tra- on this, uh, documentary. Because there's some things in there that, you know, how Boogie was describing this documentary was going to be a very raw, truthful represent- representation of how he's living life today. Um, but it there's one s- section on it that kind of pissed me off. Um, he talks about how he needs to make $7,000 a month and he can't do it. And he's saying this while he's sitting in front of all of his arcade machines that he bought. And he shows his phone, and on his phone it shows how much money he has. He only has about thousand dollars, it looks like. But he's not making anything from fucking YouTube. Actually, um, but to 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 make a, a real quick slight correction, the original video where Boogie um e-begged, if you want to call it that, where he said, "I need you guys' help. I need like seven thousand dollars to build." He actually filmed that outside, and then a comment, the top comment, said, "Keep in mind, the only reason he's filming this outside is because if he does it inside, we'll see the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of of stuff Absolutely. behind him that he could sell off." So but in the trailer, though, yeah, that, that's but in the trailer, was, yeah. though, he he does it. He still says, "I need seven thousand dollars a month to make a living, or to be able to pay my bills," and he does it in front of his arcade machines. Well, he's e-begged several what times. Fuck? What the fuck type of bills does this dude have for seven thousand a month? I, he he has like, no he has no sense of how much income daily like regular people have. He is completely out of touch. But I don't want to bring this up though. After that uh, bit from the docu- uh, from the inter- uh, interview, that bit from the trailer popped up. Um, Boogie, of course, went on Twitter, and uh, he tweeted something. That got got deleted pretty soon after he fucking posted it, and um, I have screenshotted right here, and I'll read it to you right now. It says, uh, "Wow, a lot of people asked in comments if my finances were as bad as the doc made it out to be." Yes, if you're down to help by checking out my sponsors or merch, and the links in the bio. 
<laughs> if you're down to help, check out my merch. Which is funny because in it, dude, I respect it. <laughs> I fucking respect it. Because like in the in like, the in the fucking trailer, it makes it sound like he's so fucking down and out, like he has no way of recovering. But the response is, if you're down to help me out, by the way, you can do this. He and for my me, kidney, I need to buy a kidney off of the black market every Tuesday because all the fucking Mountain Dew I put in my system <laughs> keeps burning through it like no tomorrow. If you want some help, pick up a pick up a Bleeble Bobbins T-shirt at the Anti Think Tank merch store. Yo, yo, that that's how Boogie that's how Boogie makes his comeback if he finally gets on this podcast, bro. Boogie ten nine eight eight. If you're listening. Do, do you want to be on the podcast? I can't promise you that shit will get crazy, but listen. Oh, no, I'll make fun of him the whole fucking time. <laughs> anyway, uh, another thing that brought up in the... In the caught in his gravitational pull and just fucking Another died. thing, though, that came up about the, the trailer that kind of rubbed it the wrong way was that uh, he's really, like trying to pull on this notion that he's got like maybe months left to live and he's at a critical rate to fucking die and shit like that. But it, it makes him look even worse because he's got a girlfriend, which by the way, I think is 20 or 21. This dude's like in his fucking forties or fifties. I can't remember. And like, she's crying and shit. And she's like, it's just so hard to, 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 you know, imagine a life without him and whatnot. And I'm just like, Boogie, if you knew your health was that fucking bad, why drag someone into this? Yeah, and um, not to mention like all of the like picture, all all of his. Uh, I'm still subscribed to him, regardless of my feelings on him, and um, I don't watch most of his videos, but all of his thumbnails have her in it, and it just feels. It's hard to describe. It just feels. It weird. also feels weird too because in the in the uh, trailer, it looks like he's trying to exploit her even more. Like it's weird. It's definitely weird. That trailer. That trailer's gonna. Um, the trailer mostly heavily focused on his actual wife, but uh, yeah. But it's 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 fucking crazy. What does uh, like? Is it just like weight problems that are gonna fucking kill him? Yeah, or like because I know that he's, he's like morbidly morbidly obese. Well, here's the thing. He so when he first started YouTube, I think he the the heaviest he weighed was like five thirty eight something. And he went on this his this amazing weight loss journey, and he put off a lot of fucking weight. Mm-hmm. Like I was cheering for him. And then after a while, he just two hundred pounds almost. Yeah, but after a while though, he just stopped giving a fuck about it. And when people asked him about it, he's like, "Listen, it's my fucking life. Don't fucking ask me. I know how to do this shit." Like, it uh, um, he it co- it, yeah, he relapsed. It co- it coincided with his wife. It, it coincided with his wife leaving him. Which, that's a whole different situation, but so, we're not going to get into that. That's, like, he's already got enough shit yeah. for that, you know, and a lot of people made lies about why they got divorced and shit. I'm not going to jump into that, but I just want to jump into his situation right now and how he can fix it. Like, that's the thing is, I'm with a lot of people that are screaming, hey, stop doing these exaggerated travel videos where you're obviously clickbaiting, just like your friend kid behind a fucking camera. And actually go back to story time. Go back to doing the game journalist stuff. Like, we love that shit. You know, like, 
you know, it, it just it, it it hurts a little bit emotionally for me because I used to fucking love this guy. I I really liked him a lot. Well, hey, I mean, I I'm not gonna say 100% that Boogie can make a comeback, uh, especially losing to Wings of Redemption. Um, losing to Wings of Redemption in that fight definitely. Uh, hurt him a little bit. He described in a recent video that after that he was starting to get a lot of views again, and now it's petered off. So, I don't know. Um, one of his recent videos said that he thinks that he's just gonna fully quit YouTube soon, which you can't trust anything he says. He will say anything to keep people's eyes and ears glued to whatever he has to say. So, I I'll watch the documentary, but man, uh, Boogie's fall from grace has been really uh, disappointing for me personally. Like, again, I, I'm on that that point of view though. I do believe Boogie can make a comeback. Like honestly, he is in a much more better position to make a comeback versus Wings of Redemption or versus DSP. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think I think we'll see. I don't know if I, if I'm being honest, I don't know if Boogie getting popular again will be even good for his mental health, but uh We'll see. Well, that, that's the thing is, I think his mental health really degraded after the weight loss, like the, the drastic weight loss he went through, and plus his divorce. He claims now that he's in a much better state of mind, and if he is, I'm glad for him. Like, I'm really happy he's in a much better state of mind. I'm glad that he's, you know, in a better place. But I really hate the clickbaiting, and you can tell that kid behind the camera really pushed that on him, like... Or that push, but influenced him a lot. I mean, Kid Behind the Camera basically created clickbait culture on YouTube. He was a huge factor behind it. But anyway, yeah, that's my view. Is My view is, Boogie, if you're listening, just just, just do the right thing. Just, just make good content if again. If you're listening, just quit Twitter. Just quit Twitter. It's not worth it. Is there anything you guys would like to add? Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right, then go ahead. Well, go on. It, uh, it, won't, be, it won't be incredibly long. Uh, it, uh, I just wanted to uh, uh, speak out loud. Uh, Ryan, you and me got some beef. Oh, yeah, the Death Note thing. Are you... Are you okay? Like, like okay, if you... I Listen... I am comfortable with bringing this up away from, like, the internet, because... I it... know, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Things make Send it a bit Send the violent. weebs after me. I'll, I'll make them... I'll make fun of them for it, too. Okay, you know what? All right. I I may make this, like, a huge thing for the next show, so for my, for my uh, episode, uh, because I did have something else I wanted to talk about with it, but I'll just bring up real quick. Um, I was talking to Ryan today. I was having a great day. And then he basically just, like, took me out of the Matrix by saying that he doesn't think the writing in Death Note is good. And it was like having someone say that they think that that they think that Walter White is a bad character or, like, The Sopranos isn't one of the best shows of all time. Like, it really just... I had to, like, look at it for a second. I was like, huh. It is he trolling? Like, I... So, just to be clear, are you stating that the writing doesn't work for you, or that the writing of the story is objectively bad? The first, like, two episodes are good. After that, it derails so hard that it's fucking terrible to me. There's what? one part of it that... There's one part of it that I remember very, very clearly that was good to me, and it was, like, whatever... Uh, like, I think that Light as a character is interesting, and is written fairly well. 
but I think that the world itself and like the story that's involved just feels so shit. It feels like the writer thinks that smart being smart is a fucking superpower. Like the fact that L was just able to figure out there was some supernatural bullshit going on off the fucking rip. He he and, wasn't like, trick light into no no he no he, he did. No, he didn't. Motherfucker. No, he Motherf- didn't. Yes, he did. It no. was on a broadcast. He the L's introduction is bringing a man on death row in front of a TV screen and saying, ah, yes, the killer is able to, from a remote location, as long as he has a name and a face, immediately kill the person he is targeting. Okay, just to be clear, um... Before Would you consider that to be supernatural? Okay, before you get into before we get into the weeds here, you are messing with a level nine hundred and seventy eight weeb. All right, do you understand? <laughs> I have seen this story countless times. I've read the manga countless times. All right, I have no life to this shit. I'm a Death Note super fan. You cannot tell me that episode two isn't a banger, all right? Light killing Lind L. Taylor is an excellent scene. And no, I don't think that L, the first thing that went into L's mind was this has to be supernatural. He just went off of basic knowledge and fact that the only people that have died are people whose faces and names were known to the public. And so he got people he got death row inmates said if you live you get to go free put them in front of a tv screen and somehow was able to pinpoint the exact location of of light by putting it in only one prefecture okay he th- and like, don't get me wrong it's a good reveal but it's just like there's so many logical connections that like any detective in like the state of fucking japan would have been like Dude, you're off your fucking rocker. There's no goddamn way someone could just do that. Okay. He got... The, all right. Listen, bro. He, he he got Lind L. Taylor to say that to every everyone in Japan until he finally got what he wanted. And then narrowing down light from that point. It's not like he got light immediately. It takes him a lot of deductive thinking and like... And like Freaking a year's worth of manga for for L to even figure out that light is a suspect. No less like actually Kira. It doesn't take him like that short amount of time. Like, don't get me wrong, there are scenes within Death Note that I think are good, like the fucking, I think it was like the tennis scene where Light is just like completely overthinking everything, and thinking like, oh, if I if I win this, then it, he comes to this conclusion, if I lose this, he comes to this conclusion, and like, if I do this, he comes to that, and then it's just at the end of it, he's like, oh wait, no, this is just a game of fucking tennis, like, I don't have to fucking overthink this, I could just play. I, that is, uh, like, that is a great, like, it's actually, it's an excellent scene. Like, actually... Yeah, there's the memeable moments throughout it, like the "I'll take a potato chip and eat it." Like, there's there's moments that I enjoyed in Death Note, but I just I hate the way that like being smart in the show is considered like this fucking big brain superpower, and like, the writing around some of the characters feels so fucking terrible to me. Like, like w- 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 bro, like who, bro? Like who? The fucking bitch who's completely and totally obsessed with light. The, in- that's like the, she- the entire point of Misa is like the uh, light being like an Al Bundy figure. There are, li- there are literal Misas in real life who like came to serial killers aids because they were just yes, attracted. I, to I them. understand that. 
That does not mean I have to enjoy the character. That does not mean that they are written well. Like, it just... Especially whenever there was, like, the Shinigami that was, like, uh, that was, like, not in love with Misa, but, uh, like, wanted to protect her a shit ton. And the show outright says, like, hey, like, we could just get the Shinigami to take out, uh, you know, the main conflict in the story. But that would feel really shit, wouldn't it? Like, that would feel really, really fucking dumb if that's what this story led up to. And then lo and fucking behold, that's how they, like, that's how the story ends up. And I'm just like, dude, it, bro, like, I simply, it, it felt so fucking bad as a viewer to go through that shit. Cause like, it was interesting to see like the plot slowly unfold and see each character come to like their own conclusions of everything, try and figure out and piece together how each was going to go. Uh, L slowly trying like. Just ever so slowly honing in on L being Kira. And it just... There's so many moments throughout it that just feel like they happen just so that the plot can move forward. Okay, okay. Uh, example. Example. Like I said, whenever it came to the Shinigami just kind of like being introduced. Like, Misa did not have to exist within the story... For it to take place. The story could have been absolutely fine. Better without her in it. Adding her and the other Shinigami. Only allowed the story. To go the route that it did. And to have the payoff be much much worse. Than if Light had just won. Using his own actual like strategic thinking. Okay he. Okay. Like, there are moments okay, where. Bro, no. There are moments throughout <laughs> the. Light Light does use his strategic thinking to use Rem to kill L. That's the entire point of the like episodes again like episodes eighteen through twenty-four is all light putting Rem into an exact situation in which Rem is the only character in the show right now at that moment who could realistically see L's real name. Light spends six episodes using his mind to push Rem into a corner in which she would have to kill L. That is Light's victory. Yes. And they outright brought up earlier that that would feel like shit. And it did. I... It, 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 it was not rewarding to me because it didn't feel as earned of a victory as him like outthinking and getting his name to put the death note on his own like terms. Bro, he, it just didn't feel like a good victory to me. It's... I just... I... Like... It's fine for you to disagree and you enjoy the show. But, but like... It okay, just okay, feels okay. that there's so many moments throughout it where it just feels fucking dumb. Like, how L could ever come to the conclusion of superpowers right off the fucking rip. Like, I, I just can't get over that. It just... It's so fucking stupid to me. I... Okay, well, have you... Okay, that's actually not... That's... Have you know? Have you read the book, um... BB Los Angeles Los Angeles murder cases. No. Okay, well it's a book that it's it's L's backstory and it explains that he has dealt with something supernatural before. So, I understand that it feels weird going into the show and making that conclusion, but L has seen that supernatural stuff might exist before the show starts. I'm just saying. Okay. Let me say this right now i know that extra material doesn't excuse the mistakes yeah, of an original story i know i know i know you yeah. like a book i'm aware yes it's okay. 
whenever you're telling a story, elements like that need to be included, and you can't just, like, you can't JK Rowling this shit, go on Twitter, hey guys, by the way, this happened, and this is why this character did this. Like, it needs to be included within the original work for it to make sense within the context of that story. I, I, okay, I understand. I can take that. I, I, I can actually, I can concede why you would be annoyed with L coming to that conclusion. However, I, like, maybe a rewatch might be necessary to see how ingenious Light's plan was to kill L. I think it's pretty genius myself. I think it's pretty freaking great. He loses his memories, trades, like, four death notes, buries one in the ground, figures out this genius plan, gives the shit to a bunch of the Yotsuba group, I think it's great. Um, I also love the Near and Mellow stuff after L dies, so that's where uh, that's where me and the rest of the internet are going to disagree. Or is it I do now? think that there are moments. No, I do think that there are moments throughout Death Note that are like really, really good highlights, like when he got all those people to sign their own names into the Death Note. Bro, it's so like, good. That is, like, an amazing scene, very well thought out. Uh, the imagery of the woman walking up to a gallows because he wrote that she would hang herself. Mm -hmm. Like, there are, like, uh, just the entire character of Light being, like, this... He believes so confidently in himself being, like, this sole proprietor of justice that he outright elevates himself to godhood status just because by chance this thing fell into his fucking lap. Like, those are all fantastic things. I'm not saying that every moment of Death Note is bad, but the moments that are bad to me are so bad that it, like, detracts from the rest of it. Yeah. It's like when we were having that Steven Universe conversation back in, like, episode two, uh, where, like, the ending was so fucking bad to me. I'm talking about Steven Universe, not Death Note. That I couldn't, like, it weighs down all the good that the rest of the series had. Yeah, I guess I can see what you mean. Um, we can continue the conversation at a later date, but I can, I can concede on some of your points. Uh, I, I can get it, you know, maybe, maybe some of the stuff could have been thought out a little bit more. Um, I think that the character's intelligence being used as a superpower can kind of just be chalked up to the fact that it's a manga and, like basic things are portrayed more dramatically, I guess you could say. Yeah, dramatization is generally fine, but it's, my issue is that the conclusions that some characters come to have to take such massive leaps of knowledge that they shouldn't be privy to, that it becomes... Like, it kind of takes me out of the moment and suspends, ironically, my suspension of disbelief. Just because of the leaps that they have to take at some points. I got you, man. Uh, I, I got you. Uh, we can talk about it more at a later date, because I would like to talk about how you feel about the actual ending of the story at some point. Yeah. Well, All Justin, right. now that you we've gone through Wee Bower, how are you? How are you doing? I just love how um, Ian says, it won't take that long. It's, 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 we're now at hour 30, so it's been 10 minutes. It's... It's it's your fault for not having seen Death Note. Like I don't know what you're doing with your time, bro. Anyway, uh, Ryan, is there anything you want to add? Uh, let me go to bed, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> 
please. I've literally sat here listening to you two weebs like talk about Death Note for like 40 minutes, bro. Can't stand it. <laughs> I was just like, I just decided to sit here and be quiet for as long as possible at that moment, just to see how long it would take you guys to start saying shit. I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I, I was, I was for a minute. <laughs> Dude, I was worried that I was worried that like a weeb had come through your window and like just dispatched you for your shit taste. Alright. Well anyway. I like how we agree on ninety-nine percent of fucking anime takes, but I don't think Death Note's that good, and you're just like, kill him! Kill him now! Make him feel the suffering of a thousand forbidden jutsus in a Kamehameha. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway, kill this man immediately. A thousand years of pain, his ass. Amaterasu anyway, flame his ass. Justin, can stop I, us. Can, Justin, put us out of our misery. Can I end this episode? God damn it! No, no. Yeah, activate the bunkai on his ass, bro. Anyway, th thank you for everyone listening to the podcast. Um, if you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on Apple Music, Spotify, um, Amazon Music, we're on that now. Um, if you're on iHeartRadio. I'm sorry for you, uh, but follow us. Uh, you know, it, it helps out a lot. And, uh, of course, we do have a, uh, a link in the description where you can uh, set up a monthly donation to help out the channel. Uh, you know, because we're, we're broke, we're poor. We, we like to, we'd like to do this in person, but we got no money to, to, to do that. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. It would take about $7,000 a month. To be able to do everything that we want to do. We should start begging like DSP. We should start like fucking guilt tripping our fucking audience. If you don't donate to the anti-think tank, a puppy will go in the grinder. Listen, you guys don't understand, okay? I am so fucking far behind on my federal taxes. I can't pay in this month. Um, uh, My dog's about to be... Y'all don't understand. I'm basically Al Capone at this point. The IRS hasn't seen a cent from me in months. <laughs> well, anyway, thank y'all for watching. Uh, have a very nice night. Um, and a good morning to us. <laughs> Donate to the anti-think tank. Donate to the anti-think tank to take off the femur breaker from Justin for five <laughs> minutes at a time. Fuck? Keep that. Keep those donations rolling in or I'll turn it back on. Also, uh, if you're an interested weeaboo, Ryan's address is... <laughs>